Hi, everyone. Welcome uh, to an edition of Roar Lions Radio that I hope I get to delete. Uh, by the, well, I don't hope I get to delete by the time I wake up in the morning because I hope this young man, the young man we're about to talk about in today's episode of the podcast, goes to the NFL and does the best thing for him. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, joined tonight by my co-host, Nick Pollock. Nick, what's going on? Nothing much. Just ready to sadly, but also excitedly talk about our best boy's future. Yes, uh, if you are listening uh, to this podcast, it is because we are recording it. Uh, let's see, I dropped the tweet into Slack at uh, da, 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 10.07 p.m. It is 10.35 p.m. on uh, Tuesday evening, and Nick and I are talking about the report that comes uh, via Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports that Micah Parsons is expected to declare for the NFL draft on Wednesday morning. If you are listening to this, it's because it is sometime on Wednesday and Micah Parsons just announced that he is going to the NFL draft. As Edholm uh, said in his report, Parsons expected to make the decision official on Wednesday morning. Uh, people close to Penn State expect him to leave, uh, barring a last-minute change of heart. Uh, we wanted to hop on the podcast, just have a really quick episode about this, uh, because let's face it, Micah Parsons is, uh, Nick, I, I don't want, he, I, I think he's in the Saquon Barkley just class of player, you know, Saquon has ended up being, uh, you know, he was a generational player. He is someone who is now currently one of the faces of the NFL. And I think it says a lot about Micah Parsons that, in two years at Happy Valley, I think that is he is that caliber of football player, and I think that once he gets to the NFL, he has the uh, potential of being that caliber of superstar. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, you know, it, it's 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 hard to compare. Obviously, it's difficult to compare him to Saquon because it, totally different positions. But I, I'd have a pretty hard time arguing against Micah Parsons being pound for pound the best Penn State football player that. I have seen in person, so uh, 2010 until now. Uh, I would wager that it will be quite a long time and could possibly never happen that we will see, and certainly not a better linebacker than him, I'm not sure we'll ever see a football player at Penn State as good as Micah Parsons was and is. And the thing that I keep thinking about, Nick, when because I, you know, I think... I think you're. I'm probably not as far uh, down that road as you are on Micah, just because, like, just because of the thing I'm about to say, which blows my mind with him. He has been a linebacker, not a. Uh, you you know there are guys who will come to college programs who uh, are relatively new to football. He's been a linebacker for. About twenty four, uh, no, a little, probably about thirty months or something like that. And he, when he stepped onto Penn State's campus, that was the first time he started playing linebacker. And in that time, we have seen one of the most productive linebackers that I think, you know, he is as good of two years as he possibly could have. Like, ex- like in a way, he exceeded my expectations. One hundred ninety one tackles over two years, eighteen tackles for a loss, six and a half sacks in his Penn State career. Nick, obviously we're talking now about, you know, I'm not one of those people where I like I like talking about uh, one player being better than another player, blah, 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 blah. Uh, just because I'm like, I like 
I think you can celebrate everybody without having to, you know, without ranking, without that sort of thing. But I really do think that in terms of what we, the mix of what we saw out of him and what he could have been at a finish as a finished product that we're going to see. I don't know if there's many players in college football who are as special as Micah Parsons. I want to get your immediate reaction because I think this is something that we all saw coming. Like, I don't think there are too many people who, uh, once the ball started rolling on college football players sitting out this season to go to the NFL, thought that Micah Parsons was going to be one of those guys who came back. Uh, So just what's your immediate reaction considering, again, this is something that we all kind of knew deep down inside was coming. Yeah, there's two things that come to mind right away and and came to mind right away when I saw this and just from thinking about the possibility of it happening. uh, My first first thought is just good for him. Just unbelievably happy. Oh, sorry, muted myself for a second. Unbelievably happy for this kid. He, I mean, he, he had a roller coaster of a recruitment, settled, settled things down, got to Penn State, and had a freshman year where, you know, I mean, typically a guy as talented as him, you might expect him to be a first-day starter, and he wasn't here. I mean, he played essentially, essentially as a co-starter with Koa Farmer that first year, but didn't get to start. And then that second year, obviously, he last year he started all 13 games, had those amazing stats that you just listed off. But just overall, just good for him. He deserves every single accolade that has come his way. He deserves the lofty draft status that he is going to attain. Um, and really, all these things I'm saying about him are the exact same things that I would think about any of these top-tier college football players, uh, really anywhere projected from like the first to the third round, honestly. This college football season is going to be such a sham if it even attempts to happen. There's just there's no continuity anywhere. No one really knows what anything's going to look like. If it's if it does start, it's I wouldn't wager it going more than three games into the season. But honestly, I don't think it's even ever going to get going. So if I mean if you're a guy in Mike Parsons' position, there's no reason for you to play this season and to risk contracting this disease or to risk uh, injuring yourself in what is surely going to be a ramped up preseason when all, when it all comes down to it. So that's my initial reaction there is good for him. And unfortunately the, the second reaction I had for after that was I won't call it terror, but I'll call it dread at the things that we are going to see some fans say about it. We've already seen some people say, I mean, somebody said the blasphemous statement that he's not ready, which is the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But it's it's just, yeah, the nature of the beast. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that aren't taking the virus seriously and are going to say, why are you opting out? Like, this is nothing to worry about and things along those lines. And in the, so in that regard, I'm already a little, a little frustrated about what's going to come out of this. But overall, the main reaction here is just good for him. And I'm so impossibly excited for his future. Yeah, I mean, my, I, I'm I'm basically there with you on both of those, but kind of the first thing that came to mind for me, it was something that I mentioned uh, a second ago, uh, is just how incredible it is that he is where he is right now. I mean, when, I mean, when he was getting recruited, you and I, Nick, 
we watched a lot, a lot of high school Micah Parsons tape, and it was just evident that he had stuff about him that you just don't have in college, like in high school football players. And when he got to college, he was the rare kid in high school who seemed like even though he was able to get by in high school on being bigger and faster and stronger and more athletic than everyone, he was also going to be able to do that in college once he got there. And even to, to interrupt you yeah, for a ahead. second, kind of along those lines, uh, I've mentioned this before. The, the Nike camp that I went to back when he was a high school, uh, I guess he was a junior at the time. Um, but that New Jersey camp that I went to just some of the other names that were there, uh, PJ Mustafer was there. You had uh, Pat Fryerman, the Zach Koontz were both there. Justin Shorter was there. Um, Jeremy Rucker, the Ohio State tight end, was there. Uh, Ashim Young, who had uh, obviously didn't work out for Penn State, but he was there. There were some legitimately, legitimately top top tier high school talents at that camp, and Parsons could not have looked more head and shoulders above all of them. And keep in mind that at that time. He was absolutely – he played that entire camp as a linebacker. I think that was the first camp he attended as a linebacker. And he qualified – he uh, was chosen to go to the opening after one day of playing linebacker, which yeah, is just it, the most it, absurd. But at the same time, like, as we sit here on uh, August 4th, 2020, and we think of what we saw out of Micah Parsons, like, that just makes sense. Like, he was a guy who was just capable of doing that stuff because he was just that good. Then he he commits to Penn State early on. He has this – he decommits, has this big, long, wild recruitment. There was all that weirdness with him uh, and Ohio State, uh, and but eventually, like – James Franklin and his staff were able to convince him to come to Happy Valley. And for how weird his uh, recruitment was, how, uh, for those of us who followed it closely, how, uh, I don't think scary is the word, but how concerning it was the thought that uh, he would go to Ohio State and do crazy things at Ohio State. And just, I, I mean, I remember his uh, the day he committed. I was dri- I don't I was driving from State College to uh, my dad's house, and I remember pulling off at a Dunkin' Donuts and just sitting there for twenty minutes on their crappy Wi-Fi, waiting for Micah Parsons to commit because he like this was just someone you dropped everything for to make sure you remember where you were when they committed because you knew their career was going to be special. Everything ended up being worth it for, with this dude. Again, what he did in two years. Those numbers, uh, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page now, freshman, uh, first-team freshman All-American, Big Ten linebacker of the year last year, first-team All-American last year, first-team All-Big Ten last year, Cotton Bowl defensive MVP last year. As special of a talent as you will see uh, play that position and watching him grow from that kind of athletic marvel to what we started to see beginning of last year and then constantly saw towards the end of last year with him having just the inherent, the brain to be able to play that position in such an, you know, with such little experience, like special, special football player. Uh, and I think Nick, you, you touched on it pretty well. So I will, you, you know, you don't have uh, too much you want to dive into here. That's fine. But like, it's really hard for me to think that this is anything other than the right move for him with all the weirdness that's going to go on in this college football season with the fact that, 
you know, Trevor Lawrence is above him in mock drafts. Justin Fields in most probably is. Penny Sewell will be. Mike is probably the fourth best player in this draft. He's the best defensive player in this draft. It just seems like as much as we wanted to see him come back to Penn State, this is the best move for him in his future. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's no question in my mind the right move for him. Like you said, he's already, I mean, mock drafting this far out is kind of a fool's errand, but then again, if there's no season, then that'll really be all, all we have to go off of. Um, but like, I think he's easily the most purely talented uh, defensive player in this draft. Uh, I don't think that guarantees he is the first defender chosen because, you know, there's such a premium edge rusher. So you could have a guy like Gregory Rousseau from Miami end up going before him. But yeah. And the the other thing too, for me with Micah, when thinking about his NFL future, just he mentioned it is that if, if a team really wants to, they could go ahead and just put him at, put him as an edge rusher. Yeah. And there's zero, there's zero doubt in my mind that right now, he could pick up eight sacks as a rookie in the NFL. Put put him at safety at least. Like, put him at put him at safety. You could put him anywhere. Put, right. Like I, I mean, the thing that I'm most upset about with him leaving is that he won't get his like dream of getting a carry for Penn State football. But like, yeah, uh, and he'll leave without an interception. He'll leave without an. But uh, but everything else, like I'm sure it's. And listen, you know, maybe this ends up being something that only you and I hear, Nick, because he has a change of heart, whatever. But this is the right move. Like he what what he is as a football player is just something that it's something that the nfl is kind of moving towards like he has the size and the physicality to be a middle linebacker the athleticism to be an outside linebacker he could put his hand down and he could be an edge rusher like he just has isaiah simmons but better he's i would say he's Isaiah Simmons, if Isaiah Simmons was bigger and not as good against the pass, like just because like Isaiah Isaiah Simmons is a cornerback. Yes, like what what Isaiah what he lacks in speed compared to an Isaiah Simmons, he makes up for in power and like explosiveness. That's which is no knock on Isaiah Simmons because he is a freak of nature in his own right. But he's Mike is going to make a whole lot of money. He's going to rep Penn State every all day every day. Like I think that. we might get into this a little bit, but I think James Franklin and Brent Pry are going to have a whole lot of fun pointing to the fact that someone in two years of being in Penn State's program is going to be is able to say like they were a top five draft pick and the best defensive player on the board, like all that stuff. But what you know, Nick, next thing we have uh, jotted down is how this impacts Penn State, and there is obviously that recruiting angle to it. But and this is like a very weird thought. If there is any position where Penn state can afford to lose the best player and their best player and a player of Micah's caliber, it might be at linebacker because while obviously they'd much rather have Micah Parsons, they still have just freak on freak on freak at that position. And maybe one of, you know, one of them probably isn't going to replace what Mike is able to do, but as a collective, I think they're going to be able to come pretty close. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, really, linebacker and running back would be the two spots where Penn State would be able to handle a loss of this magnitude. Um, and like you said, it's it's not it's not possible to replace what Micah Parsons gave you. But if there is any position where they are equipped to at least try to do that, it's linebacker. You still have um, an all five star, all American 
possibility type talent like Brandon Smith, who's getting ready to enter his first full year as a starter. You still have Ellis Brooks, who showed plenty of flashes in the middle. You still have uh, Lance Dixon, another five-star linebacker recruit out there. You still have Curtis Jacobs, another five-star linebacker recruit out there. You still have uh, Jesse Lukita. Yeah, you still have Jesse Lukita, who can play on the inside or the outside. You still have Charlie Catcher, who Brent Pry has made a point of talking up every chance he gets. And as we've seen with uh, when Penn State's coaches talk up their defensive players, it's usually not hot air. So there's definitely something there, I would say, as well. So as much as it sucks to lose him, Penn State's defense still should be able, still should be fine and still should thrive because of the depth they've built to that position. Right. I, it does kind of seem like, and this is, this could be a huge, huge, huge thing. Like, it seems like Micah's the difference between this being a top three to five defense and a pop, top ten defense. Like, do you think that's probably fair to say? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. So, and like, for, you know, that on that might be the, something that costs them the Big Ten. Like, we being open about this, like losing a player like Micah Parsons and replacing them him with you know some combination of Jesse Lukita and Lance Dixon, like. There, that's plenty of talent, but that's that's still a drop off. And when you are trying to be at the level that Penn State's trying to be at, like any drop off of any kind is something that could really hurt you. So, the good news, like Nick mentioned, he rattled off the depth chart. Ellis Brooks is, you, you know, Ellis Brooks is the least highly regarded of all those players, and he is also like just a very very solid middle linebacker, but Brandon Smith, freak of nature, Lance Dixon, freak of nature, uh, Jesse Lukita, just big, burly, strong, athletic linebacker, Curtis Jacobs coming in, freak of nature. They're going to have guys who can be in positions to try and patch together some semblance of what Micah Parsons did. And then, Nick, the other thing, you know, we're, uh, we're Penn State fans. Everything is recruiting, and like I mentioned a second ago, I have to imagine that if you're, they're going to be going into the uh, homes of the elite kids in this sport, in high school football, being able, you know, they have Saquon Barkley, they can uh, hold up Saquon and say, this is what we have. It is because of us that Saquon Barkley and Miles Sanders are both in the NFL. They can now go into any living room in America and say, Micah Parsons, that guy that you're watching on Sundays, that's what he only ha- – it took two years in our program for us to get him to that level. Imagine what you could do in three or four. Yep, exactly. Penn State already had no issues recruiting linebackers. It's only going to get easier as Parsons finds success in the NFL. It's only going to get easier. And this moves on to uh, the conver- the conversation that uh, no Penn State fan wants to have right now which is that you look up and down this Nittany Lion roster, there are a lot of guys uh, with uh, redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior, redshirt senior, uh, junior senior next to their names. There are a lot of guys who can make that jump to the NFL and kind of the double-edged sword of having so much, as much talent as Penn State has in this program is that in a, in a situation like this one, which is just so very unique. Uh, There are a lot of guys for whom I think you can really realistically make the argument that they should jump to the NFL. So Nick, as you look up and down Penn state's roster, are there any guys who you're just like, I can 
certain we guess one or two. Any guys who you think, as this uh, process goes on, as more guys say, I'm sitting out the season, I'm making the jump to the NFL, are like prime candidates to make that decision? Yeah, definitely. And I, I'll say that I think it could be even more depending on, you know, with what's happening in the Pac-12 and how their players are trying to unionize a bit and gain more leverage on their conferences. And depending on how that spreads across the country and whether that means that kids will be able to start talking to agents earlier and be able to get kind of a more thorough evaluation of their chances in the league. Um, but just, I mean, Pat Frymouth is the obvious one. Um, I had the opportunity to opt out of this season at the end of last year. Um, so he's, he's a big one that comes to mind. Uh, one for me that stands out is Shaka Tony. I think that he could very easily sit the season out and still be a fairly highly drafted player. I think he's someone who gets a lot more buzz than maybe Penn State fans themselves give them credit for. I think Jason Owe could be a guy. That's, that's kind of a tricky mm. one because he's, he hasn't had a chance to start at all. But he has so much natural talent, and I think anyone with eyes can see that. And we, you know, we see every year more and more NFL teams are starting to gravitate more and more to the guys that don't have a ton of tread on their tires. And especially in the case of Owe, anyone who takes him, they're he's really they're really going to be able to mold him into whatever it is they want. Um, some other guys, I mean, just thinking across the rest of the defense, I wouldn't be surprised to see like a Tariq Castro Fields opt out i wouldn't be surprised to see a lamont wade opt out i wouldn't be surprised to see a pj mustafer opt out um offensively mm, i i doubt i doubt Jahan dotson would but i mean really i'm of the mindset of if you think you can be drafted you're not gaining anything by playing this season it's uh, uh, if i may that's in, that's kind of where i'm at i'm very interested that you didn't say journey brown in there and Journey Brown, yeah, I was okay. kind of going to work my way through the office. Yeah, Journey yeah. Brown is another obvious one. Um, trying to think of anyone else on the office. Uh, I think Rasheed Walker could be a wild yep. card for mm-hmm. kind of the same reasons as Jason Owe. Uh, Michael Mennett, uh, Will Fries. C.J. Uh, Thorpe's a redshirt junior. Which C.J. Thorpe, th- that yeah, really, did, any, any that of the seemed, Hold on, did, did it seem like C.J. Thorpe like just got on campus like a week ago? Like, my God. I I would say yes, but I also have the vivid memories of him playing defensive tackle. Same. I, that's probably why for me. Like, I just feel incredibly washed right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, really, I, yeah. I'm, I'm very much of the mindset that anybody who is NFL eligible has very little reason to play this season. And I think that as we get closer and closer and as <laughs> the lack of planning and lack of continuity across the country becomes even more clear and focused that I think if this season happens at all, I think it's going to be a lot of underclassmen getting a lot of playing time they did not see coming. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Frymouth and Brown are the two very obvious guys for me. Like, Pat is interesting uh, because, like, I ver- I think he very obviously should make the jump, but also, like, like you mentioned, Nick, he had the chance to do that, and he decided it was really important to come back. Uh, obviously, that was before we started living in a pandemic, so like the calculus changes on that, but I find that interesting. And then Journey is interesting to me because I feel like I feel like he's a guy that if he had this college football season, 
he could cement himself as the top running back in this draft because of some stuff that we've talked about in the past with him being, uh, you know, just not having a ton of tread on his tires. Uh, but now it's getting to the point where, like, uh, it, it's almost the other side of that coin. Now, Journey, he has 137 career rushes, uh, 16 career receptions. So maybe he just, like, maybe there are teams who we'll go, you know, he doesn't have enough. We, we've we seen some out of him, but not nearly enough. And we'd rather take a guy like a Travis Etienne first because he doesn't have that extra year that he was going to have of wear and tear in his body. And then going through the defense, like you mentioned, Shaka Tony, PJ Mustafer, Jason Owe, uh, Lamont Wade, Tariq Cashfields. There's just so many guys who... It kind of depends on what you think the next couple of months are going to look like in terms of guys making the jump to the NFL. Uh, If you think it's going to be as many guys as possible uh, deciding it's time for them to make that move, then yeah, Penn State's a team that's going to be really heavily hit by it. But if you think that a guy like Tariq Castro-Fields or a guy like Lamont Wade is going to say, I can help my draft status a ton by going back to school, like I'm a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick now, but with a big year, I could be a second or third round pick. That changes it up. I It's obvious for a guy like Micah, uh, like Pat, like Journey, maybe. Those are the kind of guys who the decision is a little easier for because they're a round one or round two guy. But for those other guys, like that's a, that gets very, very interesting to me. Uh, and, and then you also have yeah. to think about how will... Because, yeah, like you mentioned, like, ob- yeah, obviously in a normal season, guys like Journey Brown, Wade, Castro Fields, Elway, Mustafer, they would have, they would absolutely not be jumping the NFL. They would absolutely be playing this season, obviously, because they have a ton to gain. But uh, you also have to think about then how will NFL teams kind of put stock in the, I don't know, I'm blanking on, I'm blanking on the top tier safeties right now that are in the rest of college football. But let's say the, former five-star All-American kid out of Alabama who opts out of this season versus a Lamont Wade who decides to play this season and plays really well and, let's say, plays at that level. Who do you value higher there? Do you value the kid who opted out because based on what you saw two years ago on film and fewer and less tread? Or do you go for the guy who took longer to get there but played really well and played more recently but obviously has more tread? So there's just so many different things to consider. Yeah, and like, what happens if uh, they decide to move the season to spring and then halfway through the season, the NFL draft out? Like, all these balls are up in the air, and it's just a very confusing time, and this isn't reporting, this isn't anything like that, this is just pure speculation. I wouldn't be surprised if we see the obvious kids start making these decisions, and then eventually, uh, as this weird uh, off-season, whatever it is, ends up going on, that's when uh, some of the fringier uh, guys start making decisions. I will say, and this is something that I said to Nick before, uh, all of us Penn State fans have a lot of experience in uh, making predictions that are very easy to make in the moment, but very hard to sit through. I mean, think of that that second James Franklin team, uh, the one where I think everyone went into that year going, oh, yeah, listen, we uh, we don't 
think this team is going to be fantastic. We think it's a seven-win team, an eight-win team, that sort of thing. It's very easy to say that you think it's going to be a seven- or eight-win team, but then you sit there and you watch them lose to Temple 27-10. to 10. You watch them lose to Northwestern uh, 23-21. to 21. It's very easy to say it. It's very difficult to go through it. So I think it's a good warning to have for everyone that like, as more of these decisions start coming out, uh, the more and more difficult it's going to be when we actually hear them. Uh, Nick, do you have any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up uh, this truncated edition of the pod? I will say before you go, uh, we are going to end up doing our big a preview series podcast. Uh, we are going to do a linebacker preview somewhere down the road. This is just a really quick one where we could give a very quick instant reaction to uh, Micah Parsons' decision to depart. Yeah, I, I think my final thought is just kind of a kind of a plea. And this isn't. I think most of the people that listen to our podcast are pretty level headed and understand the game pretty well. But there's going to be a lot of people out there. Um, both for Micah and for any other guys that declare, no matter what school they're from, that are going to say things like they're quitting on their school. I just think it's like, this is the kind of stuff it's important to remember why these kids are here. Like these kids got scholarships to come play football in hopes of achieving their dream of going to the NFL. There's going to be a ton of people out there who are saying, well, what's the big deal? Like you're you're 20, 22, 20 years old. You're in amazing shape. You get COVID. It's it's not going to really do anything. You'll be you'll be out for a couple of weeks and then they'll be back. There's just no there's no saying what would happen if you get COVID. It affects every single person differently. And these kids aren't just making decisions based on yeah every every single one of them came to wants to win a national championship. Don't don't fool yourself into thinking they don't. And to fool yourself in thinking that by opting out, they're giving up on that goal. This is a extremely personal decision. It's no different than if you had the choice to be around a hundred people in close contact every day or not to keep yourself safe. It's it's really no different for kids that aren't getting paid to do this. They're here just to try to they're here to try to get to the next level and achieve their dreams and to finally start getting paid. So there is no reason for them to risk their health on a haphazard season that again probably not even going to happen uh but just try to keep that in mind keep some keep some perspective as guys start opting out in the next uh in the coming weeks the coming months that they're human beings and i that just gets lost on people a lot of the time whether it's in the recruiting process or now these are just kids and they need to do what makes the most sense for them as human beings and for their futures and just just keep that in mind that that's like I, I agree with all that, and just kind of my last thought is that I hope Micah declaring leads. You, you know, this is uh, how, how do I phrase? You know, the fire was kind of burning. Uh, Caleb Farley of Virginia Tech, Rashad Bateman of Minnesota, two guys who are going to go in the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, if they fall out of the first round, they're going to go very high in the second round of the NFL draft. They were the the first uh, first round guys, the first really good football players to make the decision uh, to jump to the NFL. I uh, said that this season decide to focus on the NFL draft. Mike is the first guy to make his decision. Who is like 
the all American, the like consensus all American, the Heisman guy, the top five NFL draft pick. And it is my hope that, uh, again, should we end up publishing this podcast because Micah decides he is going to go and he doesn't have a last minute change of heart, that Micah going makes it uh, a little easier for other guys to make those decisions. It makes it easier for a Trevor Lawrence. It makes it easier for a Penny Sewell. It makes it easier for those cream of the crop kids who are going to go in the top 10 of the NFL draft, who are going to make up the All-American teams, and who have very long football futures ahead of them, to be able to sit down with their families and say, listen, it's really, really difficult for me to make this decision, but it's a little bit easier to make this decision now that I know that a guy like Micah Parsons has already made it. So fingers crossed that happens and that we start to see a big wave of big name, super crazy talented college football players decide that the best thing for them and their families is what the future holds. And Mike is the reason why that door got opened. Uh, yeah, that's it for this edition of Roar Lions Radio. Nick and Wes, you got any final things you'd like to add? Go get paid, boys. Go, go get paid, young men. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this uh, truncated edition of Roar Lions Radio. As always, make sure you're, you're following us on all of our various social media channels. Make sure you're reading and supporting the site. Best way to do that is to make sure you go and buy some t-shirts. Uh, you should do that because we send via the Postal Service, and uh, the Postal Service is uh, a marvel and an institution that we should all uphold. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure if you're going uh, through Apple Podcasts, you're leaving us a five-star review there. And yeah, uh, shout out to Micah Parsons, uh, one of the best that we've seen do it in only two years. Uh, thank you one last time for listening to this edition of Royal Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Micah forever. <laughs>